Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an explanation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by PD. What's up, PD? Hey, Will. And Seeds, how's it going? Happy off-season, guys. <laughs> off-season galore, that's right. So, yeah, obviously going back to, it was what, last Wednesday's Game 5, Columbus-Tampa. It was very interesting. It was a noon game, so I was kind of keeping up with the score during work. Yeah, it got interesting there in the third period. Second period, really, Columbus started to get their act together, it seemed like, and even took a two-goal lead in the third, couldn't close it, went to overtime. What was your thoughts about that whole entire game and series, PD? Yeah, that was a that was a very disappointing way to end the series because they played so well in that game. And to have a two-goal lead late and to, to blow it like they did in you know, game four of the Toronto series. That was really, really disappointing. Um, I, I, I feel like overall, the, it was a very close series, which I wanted. I knew that Tampa would win because Tampa just had more talent, but I thought Columbus could keep it close. And each game was a close game. You know, every loss was by just one goal. But given that, to see it as a, four to one series is just, you know, that doesn't reflect how it was. So I, I wish it had gone to six because that would have been a little bit, it needed to be more back and forth. The Jackets losing three in a row to end the series uh, leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Um, it's a, it was a crappy way to end the series. It probably should have gone to six games. Someone on this cast predicted the Jackets would lose in five close games. I'm not going to say who, but someone <laughs> here predicted it. The guy pointing at himself. Um, the, no, it just sucked. Uh, at the end of the day, the Jackets just don't have the talent Tampa has, and it finally reared its head. Yeah, um, Riley, Riley thinks the Blue Jackets should have uh, benched Boone Jenner earlier in that series. <laughs> no, it's it kind of just bared out how I thought it would. At the end of the day, the Jackets would hold Tampa to fewer shots, um, fewer goals than they scored during the regular season, but the Jackets just wouldn't have the offensive horses to keep up, and that's kind of what bared out. Yeah, I actually think that the Jackets were a little bit more productive offensively in the series than I thought they'd be. They had some 
timely goals in some of those games. Um, yeah, you know, Alex Winberg. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> Winberg had like two goals in that series. It's insane. Um, but, yeah. you know, ironically, I think the downfall in those last two games was Corpusala. And, and I always hate to bring it up because he had such a great postseason overall and he kept us in so many games. But by the end, he was just, I, I think it was the fatigue that got to him. Having played, you know, f- you know, uh, th- three games against Toronto and then, you know, that five overtime marathon game, game one against Tampa. And it's because the goals that he let in in games four and game five were, were pretty, there were some soft wins in there. Um, and, and that's where, you know, if Elvis had been healthy for the series, I think he, he would have come certainly like game two, like, all right, Corpy, you played five over time. Right, you get the night off. You can take it. You can take a day off, you know, figure the Nothing jackets, still, the jackets win game two, like they did. Then maybe Elvis starts yeah. game three as well. You know, maybe keeps that one closer, but maybe the offense still doesn't show up. So you go back to Corpy in game four, but you got fresher goalies to go back and forth. And, you know, cause, cause the jackets, defense did really well in those last two games they held them to i think it was you know 22 shots in game four and 25 shots on goal in game five and incorporate got just 20 saves in each of those games which you know again the guy got 85 saves in game one but you know only 20 in each of those last two games is just not you know just not enough um and it's a shame because i just think he didn't have anything left in the tank at that point well, you say the defense did well, but I've got a specific pairing that did not do well, and that would be David Savard and Vladislav Gavrikov, who were an immense disappointment in this series. Um, Tampa scored 13 goals at 5-on-5 five five in this series, and that pairing was on the ice for 10 of them. Now, while they do get more defensive zone starts than most um, of the other pairings, that doesn't excuse how badly they – how out of position they looked, how many turnovers that uh, pairing had, how slow David Savard looked, and that just might be an age thing. It, Tampa t- Tampa certainly used their matchups to exploit that pairing at every turn, and I was I came away from this series thinking we've bandied about how David Savard might be a trade piece, and he just took his trade value out back behind the bar like old Yeller in this series and just put it down. Uh, uh, if GMs put that much stock in one series, which I don't know that they will. The, the problem is he's he's an older defenseman who doesn't really generate offense and it looked a step slow against a better team. And if you're So he's perfect for Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so if Jack Johnson could get a... If Jack Johnson was attracted to a team... David Savard certainly will have some. in free agency. I'm not saying, but that's a different thing than trade value. Even as a trade, some team that thinks, "Hey, we need a shutdown D." We need but, he's, but he's not going to have. He's not going to get us like some. a second round pick. Let's you know, it's just not going to happen. For for a team that's desperate, and he's and he's on a decent contract, so I I think there I think there's still a market for him. Now it might be that he has to be part of a package. But that's that you know David Savard plus Josh Anderson. I mean, for, for in, example, you know, some uh, top six winger. When we when we got Ian Cole, a, let's just you know that's kind of a similar trade. Am I right? Ian Cole got a third round pick and a forward prospect that I don't literally don't remember. And do you guys remember who the forward prospect was? I'll was give it, you a bonus. Was it was it Nick Mutry? Yes, it was. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that name. Do not remember now? that. So <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think Savard's stock is higher now than Cole's was at that point. We'll see. Regardless, you know, the Jack. I mean, they did what I was ex- what I expected. I was glad to see. I was glad to see at least Foodie play well. Taxier really impressed me in that series. PLD obviously and do something different next season? Yeah, going into game three, my thought was I'm confident that they can win this series, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Tampa wins three in a row, which, of course, the latter happened. I mean, yeah, they played they played well enough to win every game, pretty much. And I think, uh, ironically, the, the only real quote-unquote blowout was the Blue Jackets 3-1 game two win, which every goal, every game was decided by one goal. But, yeah, I mean, defensively, goaltending-wise, they were pretty good, of course. And then offensively, it just showed that, yeah, they could use a guy like, you know, guys that they had last playoffs, last year in the playoffs against Tampa. But, you know, already knew going in what they needed. <laughs> yeah, it looked like they were just that one or two-piece short. Oh, yeah, at least one, probably two. And but and Tampa Bay never scored a power play goal, did they? I think you're right. Might, might have been. I believe you're right. Yeah, you know, and... Interestingly, yeah, we, well, like last year, we did a pretty good job against Tampa's top offensive players. Kucherov was a, was a non-entity again. Uh, you know, Braden Point got the two power play winners, but you know there were long stretches where he wasn't getting any overtime. Bang. You mean the difference this year compared? Yeah, in overtime. Yeah, the difference uh, you know relative to last year is Tampa's third line because uh, they they brought in at the trade deadline Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau to pair up with Yanni Gord. And that line just totally dominated plate run on the ice. No matter which Jackets line they were up against, they were a force. And, you know, that was a change for Tampa from last year. And that turned out to be the big change. And, and that was, you know, that was forward depth that Toronto didn't have. That Toronto couldn't throw at us when we shot them, their top players. But, you know, that was something that we just didn't have an answer for. Yanni Gord ate us alive in that series. We didn't. We didn't really have an answer for Gord. Wasn't it Game Three when Corpy just like at the end of the game? I think he pretty much had Gord in a headlock, and I was like, "Dude, like, calm down." I was thinking about the Avalanche game last fall. I was like, "Do not like lose your mind here." <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if you can say that like Kucherov was a total non-factor because he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points in this series. Like, he had seven points in five games. He only had one goal, but he had. He he had hmm. seven assists or six assists. That, that's that's games, higher than I would have thought. Including th- he had three in the deciding game. Like man, wow. Well, and how many of those were first primary, and how many were secondary assists? Yeah, he had six assists, and ironically, his only goal came in that game two loss. You know, because I, I feel like his name wasn't get getting called a lot, and all six of his assists came at even strength. So like, wow. I remember game two that he said he was getting frustrated, but yeah. Yeah, and it was a game where uh, there were a lot of weird bounces, and I know it, a lot of times we were commenting in the comments during games that there were few Tampa goals that were, like, good goals. There were a lot of their goals that were, you know, deflections, and or, you know, someone was getting in front of Corpy, and the puck just went in a weird direction, you know. Uh, and, and even, you know, points winner in game one, which I thought was a really, really nice shot. But it was because the puck went off Gavrikov's face, <laughs> and he got the rebound off of that. So um, you know, so in, in that way, you know, the Jackets were like like against Toronto, they were not giving up a lot of quality chances. There are just times where they were giving up just too many shots in general and just not possessing the puck enough. Uh, and again, I think that's the case where the 
you know, the legs caught up with them and they just couldn't, you know, they were not getting to loose pucks like they were in the Toronto series. You know, I think they just ran out of gas because they're playing, you know, 10 games in two and a half weeks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So looking ahead into the offseason, and who knows when the next season will even start. But anyway, as far as the Blue Jackets needs, it's pretty obvious. We knew this going in. We've known this for a while offensively. And I mean, they have talent. We need guys like Cam to, you know, have a good year. Maybe Anderson's coming back healthy. But, uh, Seeds, I'll start with you. Is there kind of maybe either, I don't know if you have like a wish list of potential offensive targets, but trades or free agent-wise, what are you kind of looking at? I don't have a wish list of players per se. I haven't really delved into that of yet. Certainly, I'm not super high on anyone in this free agent market. The only big name offensive free agent who I would who should be considered for a long term contract of any sort is Taylor Hall, and I don't think we have the cap space to accommodate what he is looking for. And and, and he's a player with some question marks at this point. You know, he certainly is. Yeah, he's not super young. Um, he's had some injuries, so yeah. Right. The next player up is the next, I guess, highly rated UFA is Alex Petrangelo out of St. Louis. We don't need defensemen. Um, And then you get in, start getting into guys like Mike Hoffman, who, you know, he scored a bunch of goals for the Florida Panthers this year on a line with like Sasha Barkov, but he's going to be 31 when he signs his next con or when the next season starts. I mean, you know, you start getting into these guys who've got question marks for whatever reason. So I don't know if there's a UFA solution biggest issues which are top six playmakers top six centers so then you get into the trade market and then obviously we've got guys like josh anderson his rfa rights you could trade but there's so many question marks eventually and i for those of you who've seen the comments you know you might on on, on jacketscanon.com you might have noticed that i suggested trading zach warinsky i'm not saying oh my god z is bad you need to trade him I'm saying that to get the kind of player that I think makes a difference on this team going forward, you're going to need to give up someone like Wierenski. And if you... I posed that question before. Right. And if you believe Jones is untradeable, which he should be, 
and if you believe PLD is untradeable, which after this playoffs he probably should be, sees the guy who is thereby or is therefore probably expendable and can bring in the type of talent up front that you need to really make a difference on this roster going forward. Um, could you cobble together something for like a William Nylander out of Toronto? Probably, but he's not the kind of dr- playmaking driver that like Panarin was. Exactly, like an Artemi Panarin. I don't. You're not. You're not getting an Artemi Panarin for Alexander Winberg and some spare parts. You're just. It's just not happening. Trading Zach Wierenski, who is a. I can't believe I'm advocating trade. I can't believe I'm. I'm not advocating trading for him, but I'm willing to listen to offers for Zach Wierenski because he is a defenseman, a defenseman who puts the puck in the net, who is under team control yeah. for a long time. That's something that's desirable to a lot of teams in the National Hockey League and gets and opens the door to a lot of players who could make a difference on the roster up front and start helping the 28th ranked offense right. in the NHL. And because otherwise, I don't know where goal scoring is coming from. It's, you know, Liam Foody and Alex Technier are good, but they're not the kind of guys who are going to get you 80, 90 points a season. At least not yet, yeah. No, not yet, and that's what this roster yeah. needs, especially with the looming free agency of Seth Jones. Yeah, I, I think the – yeah, those guys, I expect more out of them next year. You know, I think that those – you know, this year we – you know, Texier was still adjusting to the NHL a bit, and then he was hurt for the second half of the season. So we haven't seen, a, you know, a full season of a fully operational Texier. You know, if we can see the Texier that we had in the playoffs – that helps a lot. But again, still not yet that kind of elite player we're missing. Liam Foody uh, maybe could end up being the center solution as a 2C, maybe. But I think it's too early to put all the eggs in that basket. You know, I think that's if he becomes center, like that's a nice problem to have. That doesn't mean you don't go out and find another center because you can't have enough good centers. That's a good problem to have. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think standing pat is a reasonable solution this year we can't i think you know we can count on the team being healthier hopefully which should create some improvement but that you know yarwin needs to be looking to improve the team in other ways and i think he does i think he's he's you know he has a track record i think of being aggressive uh, making moves that we we didn't see, you know. I don't think anyone saw him getting Brandon Saad. I don't think anyone saw him flipping Saad for Panarin. I don't think we saw him flipping Johansson for Seth Jones. You know, he he's willing to make those moves. Hey, he was he tried to get Mitch Marner as an RFA. Um, so I think he's going to be very active again, trying to see what he can do. I don't know about making Wierenski available. I mean, I think if it's what it takes to get a truly elite player. Like if it were Rensky for Eichel, okay, yeah, I make mm. that deal. But I think Wierenski is such a play-driving defenseman that that by giving him up, you are giving up an offensive weapon, even yeah. though he's an offensive weapon from the back end. So I'm not I mean, saying I'm not saying he's available for anything. I'm saying that like if someone calls right and I want Zach Wierenski, like let's say, but I, I I think it's a small list of players. Yes, yes, that yes. We're yes, throwing him yes. in for. Right. You know, I'm, and, not, I'm and, not saying he's yeah. available for 30 cents on the dollar. I'm saying if you want if, Zach or, or if you know if we want if we want like a Jack Eichel or I'm trying to think of 
you know, it's going to take someone of like that caliber. Yeah. Like it's yeah. going to take an offensive playmaker with someone with mm-hmm. someone with top six bona fides right now with, with zero question marks to get that. But yeah. if that kind of player is available and I'm not saying like a Johnny Goudreau, like I, I, I'm well, not trading so Z for Goudreau. That, so that's, and that was Goudreau was a player that is on the top of my list of someone I would look into. And again, yeah, I don't, wouldn't still throw Wierenski in there, but I think we could put together a package that Calgary yeah. would like. Um, like I would throw in one of our goalies, I think would, would be attractive to Calgary. Um, and, and again, I, I don't know why Calgary is unhappy with Goudreau. That he seems like a player that you would want to have and want to build your team around. So if he's available, like go get him. Or I think yeah, you know, I'm, if, I'm calling and asking if if Brock Besser's available from Vancouver. Now he's a right wing. We've got a lot of right wings, but I think he's better than the right wings we have. So all right, yeah, I, I listen to that. Though I think a, like a Goudreau or a Besser or a Nylander, I think those are the type of players who they're not they're not Panarin elite. They're not necessarily Hart Trophy guys, but they are dynamic enough offensive weapons that they would make Blue Jackets better if we got them. Yeah, I had I had posed that Varensky hypothetical earlier in the season, and I was like, I don't want to trade him, but I get it. If you gotta, you have to move a guy like that to get a talent back. But also, I was thinking like, okay, if you lose Varensky on the blue line, you're not filling that void from an offensive defensive perspective. I mean, you can find defense. We have defense to take a spot, but you know, like that would probably change the the philosophy as far as the offensive defensive you know, perspective. Yeah. And also in general, I do think Yarmo needs to make, he'll have to make some bold moves because I mean, Gustav Nyquist is a nice player, but he's not, you know, what you want. He was a complimentary guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, good news. If we, good news is if we traded Z, we already have the worst power play in the league. So we're not losing anything there. That's true. Can't get well, any worse. So, to, to piggyback on something you said there, Will, in terms of how the defense would change without Wierenski, I wonder if, Ultimately, that would free up Jones to be more aggressive on offense. Maybe. Because I feel they work together as a pair because Z can rove and Jones is good enough to cover for him. But if you replace Wierenski with more of a defensive defense. Like a Gavrikov? Maybe like a Gavrikov or a Murray if he's healthy. uh, Then Jones becomes the bigger offensive talent. So maybe then he's the one that starts cheating up offensively. Uh, so that would be interesting to see if that if that change would happen. But again, that's uh, I would say that you know considering moving Renske, that is a break glass in case of emergency type move. Uh, I let's see if there are other options out there first. So actually, right, I, I'm not saying trade him for anything. I'm saying you know if Jack Eichel walks into uh, the owner's office and says, "I want the hell out of here." Columbus is calling and saying, we'll give you Wierenski to help pry this guy out of here. Yeah. No, unfortunately, with, Buff- with Buffalo and Eichel, I think it would probably take, even then we're talking Wierenski plus to get Eichel. Um, but guy, a guy like Eichel, I'm listening. I'm not, I'm not hanging up the phone right Yeah, so I'll, and I'm yeah. going uh, to be writing about it this week for the site about, um, you know, who are the untouchable players in terms of trades. And you Scott know, I'm, I'm going to put Z on that list. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh yeah Scott Harrington well so we are in the second round officially of the NHL playoffs so uh in my mind out of the west I was kind of thinking it would be Colorado and Vegas Vegas looked really good Colorado lost yeah. Grubauer and Dallas kind of 
you know, I, they've kind of shocked me ever since that flame series. I mean, I, they were down in that series and then that the, uh, three, nothing deficit turned into a seven, three series winner for the stars. So now they're up on the abs right now. Tampa Bay lost to Boston last night in their first, uh, game of their series. And the Islanders and flyers, I believe played tonight right now, I believe it's seven. So, uh, what are your thoughts, PD, just kind of on the other, other teams, other games that we've kind of seen so far? Yeah, so I'm with you. I, I was hoping for a Colorado-Vegas Western Conference Final, which would, the winner of that would probably be the favorite going into the Cup Final. Um, but yeah, losing Brubauer, uh, I'm curious to see how that affects Colorado long-term. Um, and well, I guess I'd be disappointed if that caused them to lose the series. Uh, Dallas is maybe is a more interesting team than we gave them credit for. Um, they looked so bad in the round robin. Uh, but they have turned it on and they've been able to produce a lot of goals. So, uh, you know, good for them for that. Um, Vegas, Vancouver is a series I was looking forward to a lot. And, uh, I, uh, you know, it, I, Vancouver didn't put up much of a fight last night, but, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of high scoring games, uh, and they're just, and Vegas is so loaded. It's fun to watch them play, uh, in the East, Philadelphia Islanders, that doesn't interest me as much. I think that series is going to be a slog. I hope Philly wins it, um, just because I think they play a more interesting style of hockey. The Islanders Islanders play very similar to the Blue Jackets, and as a fan, I I like it because it's effective. As a neutral fan, I wouldn't like it because it's not interesting to watch. I mean, that even that, that game, like, oh, five overtime game, that's fun, but, like, that was a slog to watch. That was not entertaining. Try recapping so it. I, I don't like – yeah, as a neutral fan, I, I don't really want to see that kind of hockey. The In the East, it's the Boston-Tampa series that I'm more interested in because um, I think that they, they can play similar styles. They're both very weights, deep yeah. teams. They both have a lot of high-end talent. Um, you know, and last night, you know, Boston got out to a big lead, but – you know, Tampa fought back and that was interesting. So uh, I think so. Yeah. Vegas, Vancouver and Boston, Tampa are the series to watch this round. So I'm all in on the Colorado avalanche bandwagon. I've got a Miko Ranton and Jersey in the mail on, on its way. I'm all in on the avalanche. I, I obviously want them to do well. I think they play an incredibly entertaining style of hockey. Nathan McKinnon should win the heart trophy this year. I don't think that's, even remotely up for debate he's he was outstanding this season and is the reason the avalanche are what they are i uh, losing losing philip grubauer really hurts but do you guys know who led the nhl in save percentage minimum 15 appearances this season pavel francus he had a good year yeah with a a 932 this season so the avalanche aren't dead in the water yet i really hope they get to play a series against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, because by every underlying metric, those are the two best teams in this bubble, and that series would just be a barn burner. I don't care if I have to stay up till three in the morning every night to watch every <laughs> minute of that series, I will do it. That series looks incredible and on paper, and I cannot wait to hopefully see it happen. Um, credit to the Dallas Stars. They've obviously turned it around since their awful, awful round-robin play, and uh, they're doing this without Ben Bishop, so Good, good for them, um, but I really hope the Avalanche get it together. The Avalanche face off here, recording this Monday night. They should face off here later on tonight. And I, I do think the Avalanche get it turned around and win Game Two. Um, over in the East, I could not care. I could not possibly care less about the Philly Islanders <laughs> series. I could 
not care less. I do not want to watch one second of Barry Trotz and the <laughs> Islanders. I do not. I will. I will turn it on and like do dishes. Islanders up right dog now or whatever. But I oh no. <laughs> okay. Cool. So that means we're gonna watch fifty-five minutes of nothing. Um. Well, I think Boston. Ta- like I, I guys, I could not care less about that series. I cannot express to you how little I care about watching Barry Trotz hockey. Um. Boston, Boston, Tampa will be fun if only because both teams are relatively healthy. I know, um, I know Tuca went home, and I'm uh, after the news that came out that you know it related to a health issue for his daughter. Um, I'm glad he was able to go home. Best wishes to him and his family. But uh, both teams outside, both teams outside of that are relatively healthy. I'm really interested to see how that battle goes. Uh, Tampa came back, but Boston was so good early in that in the, early in that game last night. So, were I a betting man, I'm going to go with like a Boston New York um, Eastern final and a Vegas Colorado Western final, and let's just go. Let's. I I can't. Yeah, I uh, I don't really care who wins the Flyers Islanders series, but I kind of want Philly to just lose, just because I know a lot. Of, you know, I know enough See, uh, Flyers people, but I want. Uh, I want I, I think the Islanders win that series, but God, I want them to lose because I'm just not into watching that garbage hockey anymore. I do not like it's it's like it's like watching it's like watching the the peak New Jersey Devils garbage, and I just I don't want to do it. Like no, I do not want to do it. I so wanted the Mighty Ducks to win it in 03. But anyway, um, against the Devils, I just thought it was so – I don't even care. But as a neutral observer, I just thought it was so satisfying to watch Barry Trotz knock out the Caps, and then they fired their coach like the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, no, that was but great. That was great. Sweet, <laughs> it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I think going back to that Jackets-Caps series two years, what, two years ago now, uh, they were so ready to fire Trotz out here, and they were like, oh, two's up, we're done. Let's fire him, and then they win the cup. They accidentally win the cup, and then they're like, "Oh crap!" Now we got to actually pretend we want this guy. All right, seeds. So we have a little bit of time left for final thoughts. So what you got, guys? I want to talk for a minute about Mark Andre Fleury's agent. <laughs> oh, <God, yeah. laughs> oh my god, that was something else. Mark Andre wow. Fleury's agent. After Fleury was benched for Game One. For those of you who didn't see it, Flurry was benched for Game One for Robin Lehner, objectively the better goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he did end up going on to shut out Vancouver in Game One. Flurry's agent pregame posted a very graphic, bloody image of uh, Flurry with a sword through his back that had DeBoer on it. Flurry has um, said he has, he has denied knowledge that he knew this was going up. The agent has since deleted it, but guys, like, what are you doing? First of all, there's no way Flurry didn't know about that, right? Like, he he at least I, mean, I don't know. He doesn't seem like the guy, but he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. And then but. and then he he comes out and he's like, he's oh god, it's just like you are creating controversy where there doesn't need to be controversy in the middle of the bubble when Vegas is, if not the favorite to win the Stanley Cup one of the top two teams probably like and and flurry has for most of his career been the nicest guy understood benchings understood like taking it you know you know this is how the game goes and flurry to and flurry had a bad season he just did have a bad season so in the middle of the bubble his agent tweets this 
bloody picture of Flurry with a big big ass broadsword through his back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I logged on to Twitter yesterday, like ten minutes after this image went up, and everyone's just tweeting Alan Walsh, Alan Walsh. I'm like, first of all, first of all, let me just go through my range of emotions when I when I opened Twitter yesterday. I assumed Alan Walsh was a politician who did (laughs) yeah, me too, (laughs) me too. So then I clicked on it, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? Yeah. Oh, my God, this like, is real. Hell? Oh, my God, what the hell am I looking at? And then it's just like an hour of nonsense. And then he didn't delete it for, like, hours. Like, what in the hell is going yeah. on? It wasn't until, like, Flurry found out, and Flurry asked him to take it down, and he took it down. Like, but, what the yeah. hell are you doing? Like, this is, I cannot believe this is happening. So for all those people who said, all those, you know, 200 hockey men who said there's no soap operas in the NHL, I present to you Alan Walsh and Marc-Andre Fleury with the sword in his back. Yeah, and this is the kind of, this kind of colorful thing that, that we don't see enough in the NHL. Like, this right. kind of, like, harmless, stupid drama. Yeah, this is, NBA it's, it's great. You know, this, is, this, this is total NBA things. And, yeah, hockey needs more of it. I want to say it was uh, Dom Lachizan who tweeted, like, you know, all the great Game of Thrones swords, you know, Oathkeeper, Ice, Widow's Whale, DeBoer. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, but what's, I what's, really, also. what's really interesting, though, of course, is Leonard is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Fleury is still signed for two more years at a $7 million cap hit season through his age 38 season yeah and, and vegas has has no room to to like re-sign leonard and keep both goalies so that's gonna be a big question like if you let leonard walk which you can then you know how do you patch things up and have flurry be the guy for the next two seasons and after trading their their backup malcolm suban to get leonard uh <laughs> ooh, boy would not want to be that. But hey, if they win the cup, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, then it works out. Well, that's all we have for this week. We will be back next week to discuss all things Blue Jackets, NHL, and whatever else comes out between now and then. So we'll catch you all next week. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430, and you should definitely go check it out. Check her out at AngelaPearlie.com. And you should also check out Angela Pearly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for videos and live stream concerts from her home during the stay-at-home period. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at cbjcannon and comment on jacketscannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Hola.